Von Holt, the fairy boss mother, author, entrepreneur, cool person as I self-identify. And today on You're Doing Great, we have our very special guest with me. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Tori Scott. And Tori, what do you do in the world? Oh my gosh. Um, I am an entertainer, a singer, comedian, um, sometimes actress, well, wannabe actress. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, I perform, mainly right now, performing my cabarets of um, drunken debauchery throughout, internationally and throughout the United States. Um, this is wonderful and everything I ever dreamed for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is actually, I realized today, a kind of a full circle moment. Um, I told you I had surprises for you, Tori. This is a full circle moment. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was like, oh, it was 10 years ago that you and I met. And you had me on your show before there were really yes. podcasts. Right? Okay. Before there were podcasts, there was you had this like online radio show called mm-hmm. The Happy Hour Show. Yep. Um, and I remember that I came on, and this is when I was going as Von Hottie, and I was like a pinup who gave really good advice. Mm-hmm. And I had a cocktail named after me at my favorite bar, and so I came on the radio show, and I like made it for you and Leslie, yes. and we got like drunk, and I don't, I couldn't, I don't even know what we talked about, <laughs> but, um, but it was like oh. pre-podcast. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, Leslie and I still talk about that, oh. like. It just was hard with our schedule to keep things going, and technology was different. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it was, it was, um, you couldn't put it anywhere else other than, like, this one website where it would stream for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. We were we were pre-podcast. Well, I was trying to find it, and I could find, like, the email blast that I sent out to my list to be like, come listen to this thing. Um, and But I couldn't find the recording, which I think is fine. I'm sure it actually does not. I, can, I wonder if Leslie's boyfriend, because he did all of the engineering and stuff. Maybe they have it. I no, ask. I remember going to, like, the, the apartment, and there was, like, a full setup with, like, real mics, and I was like, oh, yeah. oh this is a radio yeah. show. No, it was, like, it was hardcore. <laughs> yeah. So they were, it was great. Well, so in contrast to that professional setup, up I also the other podcast I have is the mermaid podcast and I will tell people this story is that Tori Scott is the voice of the theme song of the mermaid <laughs> podcast which uh, is one of my favorite theme songs I also have a good one for this one but my other favorite part about that is I was like oh I'm gonna start a podcast and I didn't even know how to like open garage band <laughs> and, I, and I called you and I was like um can I kind of invented a theme song can you sing it for me and you're like sure I have a few minutes before I go on stage at Joe's pub yeah. Yeah, (laughs) bring my new microphone and my laptop and my friend who like kind of knew she knows GarageBand and so I remember like recording like I kind of sang the song for you and then you sang it back and then we went in the bathroom to record it and we had to um a good thing it's a short song because we only had a few like 
25 seconds in between the fan going, the, the, like, <laughs> the lights and the fan were automatic in the bathroom with the dressing rooms. Um, so this is a full circle moment where Scott, I first, my first radio show was on your show and you sang the first theme song for my podcast. So <laughs> the bathroom of Joe's pub. Yeah, I mean, my friends are like, this is glamorous. You have a professional. I was like, yeah, it's so professional. <laughs> That's business. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so enough about the, some of the shenanigans we've gotten into. But all right, so you are an entertainer. You are, as I, I like to call, it, internationally known <laughs> um, entertainer, Tori Scott. Um, but you have kind of had a different career path, and one of the reasons I want to talk to you is that um, we talked about being a, a you said a wannabe actress. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's always good to still have aspirations, Tori. <laughs> like, like, um, but. <laughs> One of the, because I've, I've known you and you've worked at the public theater with a whole bunch of my friends where everyone assumes that I worked, but it's just that I volunteered at enough parties that it looked like I worked there, people. I don't actually can't put it on you my. Don't probably put yeah, it on Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's listed on there because so many people have tagged me as an employee. So, right. Like, um, but. I think we have a, a slightly similar background in that, like, I went to a liberal arts school with a heavy uh, performance bent, and mm-hmm. I remember, like, kind of the way that people told you things would happen when you got out of college is like, okay, so, uh, you know, I was like, yes, I want to be a performer, I want to be in front of people, like, the, like the, the thing I wanted to do was be in front of people, and the only way to do that was to be, like, in theater. So yeah. I was like, great, I'll be in theater. And the way that it, people made it sound like what would happen to you after college is like, okay, you're going to move to New York. I'm like, okay. Or LA. And I was like, I think New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to audition a lot. You're going to be miserable. Maybe you'll be a waitress. <laughs> and then you'll just try not to get like any eating disorders or like body image issues from the industry. And I was like, so, okay, that's the career path. <laughs> Like, yes, because all of the teachers that have have said this, yeah, don't currently live in New York or exactly. LA. Exactly. <laughs> so I did realize that, like, about seven years later, I was like, wait, all of the advice they gave me, they did not take or know. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, yep. Okay. It's great. It's a pattern among all of the liberal arts and conservatory programs. Great. Great. Okay. So, um, yeah. So that took me a while to figure out that they actually hadn't know what they're talking about, and that I could just kind of like make it up or do something else. So mm-hmm. I would love to hear from you just kind of like a broad sketch of what your creative and professional life has been like, you know, you, you don't have to give me every like twist and turn, but just like yeah. the things you've done as day jobs, the things that you've done performance wise, like when the big turns happened, and then even if they weren't like the big turns that you put on a resume, like what they were for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I graduated from a conservatory program, the Boston Conservatory, Ooh. they call it BOCO, yeah. um, and showcased moved to new york thankfully with a bunch of friends our like class of 20 something um i don't really know how people just up and move to new york not knowing anyone that's you know um that was a big deal and then um i didn't have an agent right away some people did so i was working like many jobs um surviving i lived with three other girls in astoria it was such a great apartment, too. It was $500 each. Ugh. And then they changed, like, building owners. And, yeah, I yeah. when I lived in Astoria, I would walk by it and just be like, oh, God, I remember you. We had the best parties. It was great. Um, although I couldn't live with three girls again. Yeah, fair. But, uh, you know, we were young. Um, and I auditioned, like, right when I got to New York, I was auditioning and, and getting some pretty good callbacks and started working with an agent sort of like um, – not permanently, just he was trying me out and 
got a couple good auditions, but um, I couldn't sustain it because I was working so many jobs. Yeah. Um, to because again, like you said, they they don't really teach you how to move to New York and survive. Yeah. So they all say like, oh, just you know, wait tables or do these jobs so that you're open to audition, mm-hmm. but you know, you have to pay your rent, you have to pay your student loans, Mm -hmm. you have to pay, you know, I had credit card debt even, you know, moving to New York. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that all of the audition kind of moved to the side and it took most of my 20s to kind of figure out how to be a performer in New York and live in New York. Yeah. And so my late, so I kind of like stopped uh, performing for a couple Mm -hmm. years. Mm And then found my way into uh, the public theater working administratively. Mm-hmm. And at the same time started performing at a gay bar mm-hmm. because Ooh. my friend was a bartender. I got very drunk uh-huh. because my friend was a bartender. <laughs> Great. And uh, it was a gay bar, obviously. And they had a stage upstairs. Mm-hmm. It was Vlada. Which oh. Was like this. Uh-huh. Okay. And... Um, and they said, we have um, a stage upstairs and we'd love for people to perform. You know, we have drag queens, but we want to, you know, make a variety of entertainers. You should do a show. And he brought the manager over and they were like, do a show. And I was like, sure, I'll do a show. While you're inebriated. But completely Great. smashed. Okay. And so um, the only reason I knew it was confirmed was when I woke up the next day that there were um, uh, texts confirming it. <laughs> And so, but, you know, it got me performing again. And um, on top of working at the public, um, again, just like administratively in the office, I was doing these shows at Vlada. People were starting to come. And, like, they were nothing like they are now. I mean, you're, thank God, you're evolving as as you go. But they were good enough to where people saw them and said, oh, you should come perform at Joe's Pub. Okay. Um, And... My career has totally shifted to being, you know, this one-woman show work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's cabaret, but it's also, like, a different kind of cabaret. Um, and that's actually started to open doors for me, uh, auditioning again. So it's like a full-circle moment. Right, okay. I came here to do musical theater and um, with dreams of being on Broadway, got a little bit side tracked with other things but have found my way back to it yeah uh you know a good amount of years later <laughs> yeah no I, I i i think that's interesting that's kind of why i wanted to talk to you about it too because it, it was like like number one just the that it's so it's just such an interesting time and to move in your life to move to new york and try to figure out like what how you're going to support yourself while also having yeah. a creative career and i don't think like this idea of like oh just go waitress um mm-hmm. or wait tables or bartend doesn't account for like just the scheduling alone alone in that that like doesn't necessarily free you up for yeah. auditioning um you know it's like it doesn't take into account like health insurance and all of those things yeah. that that we need and this was yeah. and this was before um i think it was obama that allowed you to be on your parents health insurance yeah, until totally. Oh, yeah, so we all got out of college, and we're like, oh. We're out of college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, though, that, you know, it there's, I have nothing against people that have this kind of help. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think, important for people to be transparent, mm-hmm. because my roommates, um, 
you know, they had more help financially mm-hmm. from their parents out of school than I did. Yeah. And nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Their parents were able to do it, and that's great. I just think they're, for years, I didn't quite, because they wouldn't be honest with me Oh, so, you, so you're like, why am why am I struggling more yeah. than you? Because they just weren't being like, I have more exactly. help. So then you're like, like, I'm doing it wrong. Well, because they were embarrassed or yeah, whatever, which right. I don't think you need to be embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people help their kids out after college mm-hmm. and say, great, you ha- we're going to help you out for this long. Mm-hmm. And that my my family just couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, and there's nothing wrong with either way. It's just transparency. So I was freaking out being like, what am I doing wrong? Right. How is it that they're able to go out to dinner yeah. or, you know, they're still able to, uh, only work one job mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. make as much money as, as they need right. to it. And it's kind of funny now looking back because I'm like, well, of course they had help. The whole time I'm like beating myself up. Right. Now that you know more about the world, you're like, oh, duh, those were the, the signs were all there. I just like didn't know that's how things could work. Like, yeah, yeah, totally fair. Right. So yeah. there was also a lot in my 20s. There was also just like, why can't I figure this out? Mm-hmm. And um, but that's another reason why I think schools need to teach mm-hmm. basic life skills. Like. Yeah. You well, know. I, you know, I have some, I have, if we could go on a little tangent, I'll just go on a small tangent. Cause I, what I do think is interesting is that like the things that you find, how it helps you make connections, but also what it's like to work ten- tangentially in an industry that you actually want to be like the star of is, okay. is interesting. Um, but I agree with you on the school point and I, I have some not very nice thoughts about it. Um, but there was, there's this big, this big article that came out a few weeks ago in the publishing world about this author who had gotten like a six figure advance like twice and then blown through it. And then her next book got like a $17,000 advance and and she was like this is how I blew through like $300,000 and like nobody in my MFA program told me how to like manage money and blah 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 and I I was like okay so a lot of that is actually on you to educate yourself but I was like there's kind of a reason why MFA programs and this like no shade on like MFA programs and universities have like like amazing creative potential and you you meet like wonderful people and there's so much there for like your art and your craft but they're in the business of just I think creating more people to like teach at the like college level and like come back into the academic thing so they're mm-hmm. not going to teach you those those life skills you've got to figure that that out on your own um and I have more to say on that also about like the mental um mental health of like creative professionals and what skills they also lack there that you need to turn on but that We'll jump to that. Um, but I do want to talk about, because what you did was you ended up in nonprofit fundraising at mm-hmm. a major New York theater. And I, when I think about the amount of money that you've been involved in raising, it's like a bajillion dollars. <laughs> I was like, I've been to those parties. <laughs> and, like, um, and, uh, and then you went to MCC theater, where I also actually worked as a development assistant when I was like 24. Yeah. Um, so... So what? So what is it? What is it like? It's interesting because I think you got a lot of connections from it too. But I also remember struggling at some points too, being like, I don't know if you felt this way, but like here I am, like raising money for a theater. Here I am, like at the opening night parties. Here I am, like here I am, like making all of this happen for somebody mm-hmm. else. And I remember exactly. that that being a little bit soul crushing to me. Yeah, yeah, it is soul crushing. I mean, um, a friend of mine. I don't know. If she she probably read this somewhere because it's just so eloquent. And so I'm not going to say it the right way, but. She was like, you know, eventually you get tired of living someone else's dream. And it, it was, it was very, I mean, I've, I learned so much working in nonprofit in theater. 
Um, I learned so much about the business in general and when I'm dealing with venues for my shows Mm -hmm. and producers, I I just, I know things because of my experience there. Um, But I did that for 10 years and it was really, it was really hard at times, um, but I knew I was needing to survive this way. Um, But what was so great, especially with MCC, is that I approached that job differently. Um, I went in there, and I think this is why I was able to make the transition, Mm -hmm. is I went in there saying to them, like, right up up front, Mm -hmm. um, my goal is this, Mm -hmm. and I want to be a performer, and and I do these shows, and this is what I want to focus on. Because initially I went in temporary, or, like, part-time, and they wanted me to go full-time because I was so good. You are. And... (laughs) And I remember telling the executive director over lunch, I was like, I have dreams yeah. and I want to, I want to focus on those. And he said, I'd love for this to be your last day job. <gasps> and so yeah. they, and I worked there for almost five years yeah. and accomplished so much on my, um, performing side. Yeah. Um, that I had in any other job, balancing both of them, but I just changed mm-hmm. my mindset and mm-hmm. said, my performing comes first. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I had to show up to work. Yeah, I had yeah. my work done. They were paying my bills. And you were, you had goals to hit there too. Right. Yeah. And then eventually I went, you know, I was full time and then I would take my, all my vacation, mm-hmm. all my paid time off, my sick day, like everything I could, I would put towards um, any time I was touring. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point where I was just out of the office so much that I had to go part-time. Yeah. And eventually it was like, okay, okay. it's time to go. Time you know, it was, just a, it was yeah. just a gradual progression and it just, and the it was the best departure from an organization mm-hmm. I've ever experienced. Okay, that's nice. um, you know, I'm going there uh, in a couple of days. They're letting me get a flu shot there. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> Bless them. <laughs> that's how you really support artists, organizations. If you're like, how do we make the programs? Like, no, just let people have a flu shot. <laughs> like, right. If you want to make a difference. Just give flu shots to your entire, like, artistic, (laughs) your whole stable of artists. (laughs) But it was, and I didn't realize it at the time when I, when I went into working for MCC, because in between MCC and the public, I had another job that I, I was not happy in. And that was like a really low point. Um, That was like the Sunday, what do they call it when you're dreading Monday? The Sunday something. uh, Yes. Yes. I just hated Sunday nights yeah, because yeah. it was, yeah. And I um, dreaded get you know getting out of bed in the morning, and I was like, I don't ever want to feel like this again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of, yeah, I just, I, without even thinking about it, just shifted the way I was approaching yeah. the next job. I think that's really, I think that's really cool. I think probably you could do it because you had enough, like, actual administrative fundraising experience to be oh, like, yeah. I'm, I can do these things for you, but, like, I know what I'm doing. Like, you couldn't have done that in the beginning. Like, that yeah, wouldn't have worked. Had, yeah, a lot of people ask me, yeah. um, and that, yeah, that was one of the things I told them when I was leaving MCC. I was like, just so you know, I've been doing this. I'm not as young as I appear. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I've been doing this a while. Yeah. And um, that's the, and I've, I've earned, not like earned it. That's not the right word. I've, I've, um, 
I've made it clear what I'm able to do mm-hmm. and and I kind of have the reputation of like, oh yeah, she'll deliver on this. So, yeah. you know, it, I worked my way up to it. Yeah, no, totally. I know. I think that's really cool because I think that um, when you're first trying to figure it out, you don't know what kind of options are available to you for how you can support yourself, how you can marry your creative career with your day job, you know, what kind of form that might take. It's not easy. There's a lot to balance and and figure out. But that yeah. there is more than just like there's not just like you wait tables and are miserable and then hope that you get the yeah. right agent. <laughs> you know, like And I was really yeah. lucky that, you know, everyone was so and continues to be so supportive. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And there are other people administratively, I know the um uh, audience services director, I think she's doing a writing program right now. Like everyone, you know, everyone has their creative outlet that they want to nurture. Yeah. And so when you have an environment that allows for it, it makes better employees. Oh, uh, no, I think, I think you're totally right. Cause I think I've, I have seen some places and been in some places where like, all of that aspiration was not encouraged. And so you were kind of like hiding, you know, you're hiding the emails that you just send during the day. You're like, you know, on the side, like, I'm not really paying attention. Like you're making phone calls for your creative stuff. I mean, that's that's why I stayed at MCC for so long because they were allowing me to balance both. So it's, it really does make for a better work environment. Um, I want to bring up something else that the people (laughs) might not know about you, but um, you are one of my star pupils and my Big, biggest success. You, <laughs> <Yeah. your stuff. laughs> um, so, a few years ago, when I was training in one of the programs I teach called uh, it's called CIJ right now at Rebrand. It's just called CIJ. Um, I needed test pupils while I was training, and so I gathered a bunch of friends, Tori being one of them, and I was like, I'm going to give you this program about creativity and mindfulness, and you just show up to my friend's apartment once a week and take notes, and like, <laughs> oh, maybe I'll change your life, I don't know, but like, I'm also just practicing, and um, with, and it was like so fun to like get together with your friends once a week, like in Luke's apartment, you know, and be like, yeah, okay, I love it. it is, um, and you were one of my most diligent students, and you have gotten the furthest along, Tori, and I think it's because you were diligent and that's not just a credit to my teaching (laughs) um but I remember I remember something happened to you right before you took this class and I can't remember exactly what it is but I I think somebody said something to you kind of important and then you were like oh okay and it made you a little open to thinking about things differently so if you remember that what that is can you talk about it completely like that that section of my life like turned everything over. And I mean, honestly, I think it was, it was just the right time. Mm -hmm. And it's like people that go to college later in life Mm -hmm. and just absorb so much more because they appreciate it more. Um, I, not to name drop, but, um, I, but I had, um, dinner with, uh, Lisa Lampanelli Mm -hmm who, um, she's was a stand-up comedian, but has since, I think, retired from stand-up comedy and is more of an inspirational um, life coach mm-hmm. of sorts now, which makes sense. Yeah. I mean, she life coached me over that dinner right into your uh, program. <laughs> and then I life coached you a little further, and here you yeah. are. <laughs> totally. Yeah. She was like, here's what it is, and then pushed me to you, and it was like, great. Um, and she had seen my show a couple times, and she basically said, um, it, it was like someone that I really respected um, being a straight shooter with me, mm-hmm. no, can I curse? Yep. Uh, no okay. bullshit. Great. Um, 
but she said, you know, do you, I remember so clearly, she just looked me right in the eyes and said, do you know how good you are? And it was, it, it, you know, you never really say that. I never wanted to walk on being like, I am so good at what I do because you're taught to just be, you know, humble and, and whatnot. And I didn't want to be too, too, um, out there about it but like I had felt it I was like I, I'm you know as I went along doing these shows and people responding the first show I ever did I just did it because yeah. I was drunk and said I would yeah um and it evolved and then eventually you start to be like oh actually I I'm kind of good at this but I'd never had anyone who had such a successful career in a similar mm-hmm. field look at me and say that and it caught me off guard and she went into this speech about you know um I don't want to have the same conversation with you in five years. She said, I am not as funny as a lot of the female comedians that I know. The difference is I, um, I grabbed a hold of what I could do. I set goals for myself and I was really smart on the business end. Mm -hmm. And I found, I found a way to make it work for me Mm -hmm. without, you know, getting, getting out of my own way, basically. And, um, and yeah, she gave, this was, you know, over dinner. And I just was like, I, I, and I don't even think we were drinking because she doesn't really drink. And so I was like, oh no, and then I'm, so I was sober listening. (laughs) (laughs) And it just kind of rocked, it like shifted something Mm -hmm. And, uh, and she said, you need to set up a, a five-year plan for yourself. What do you want? Uh-huh. What is it that you want? And it's not that she, she made it all click for me. Right. She just um, she shifted something where I thought, oh, I'm, I'm just sitting waiting for things to happen, and I'm not taking control yeah. of things to happen. Like, even though I'm getting on stage and performing, I'm not doing everything I can do mm-hmm. to make shit happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it was like right around the same time that you had emailed about this class. Mm-hmm. And I mean, talk about like being open. Yeah. And the moment you're open to something, things come your way. And so I was just all in. Yeah. I had, I loved it. I still go back to like, I still have the. Oh, the notebooks of the, the, notebooks. the pamphlets. Yeah. 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 The handouts. Um, to remind myself of things. Yeah. Um, so yeah. uh, that's so cool that like somebody that you respected at the right moment and where you were open to, I mean, you had done enough work to get yourself to a point where you could listen to her. Like if you hadn't done any shows, yes. you'd be like, I don't know, but yeah. you had gotten to a point that someone that you respected could very seriously tell you, you need to take yourself seriously. And then mm-hmm. you were like, okay, I can hear that and, and I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that it, um, with what she said and then with your class like it was a point where I finally like was willing to um look at things Mm -hmm. and because I had done so much growth in figuring out who I was even though there was still so much to unpack Mm -hmm. I was like at a point where I was like yes Mm -hmm. let's do this Mm -hmm. let's 
unpack everything. I'm confident in myself to to do this. So that's that's interesting because I think one of the things we're talking about with like MFAs and stuff. Not to harp on MFAs, but mm-hmm. one of the things that one of the reasons why I started teaching about creativity and doing things like you're doing great and talking to people about like their their creativity and their their mindset and things is that I I took me a long time to realize some of the reason why things weren't happening for me are because I didn't know how to manage like my own mental health. I didn't know that like I was the person in charge of my mindset and these were all like skills that I had to learn to be able to like fortify myself for like to to be constantly engaging in the creative process to be able to market yourself to be able to think of it as like a business and a career and not just like I'm waiting tables and I get a big break um, kind of thing um so so yeah so I I totally hear you on that because I think I think it takes a while to learn. I don't even know if someone had told me when I was 21, if they told me about it, that I would have listened either. So, you know, maybe, no. but, but it's something no, that you have to, I, have to learn. Yeah. Cause I remember I had a roommate who, um, she was like really into, I mean, you know, it's everyone's different interpretation, but she would like say, Oh, just put it out into the universe yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I would just be like, that's you're full of shit. Right. You know, it just was, but I was blocking everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think in my twenties I was certainly not ready. So after you had this conversation with Lisa Lampanelli, like what are some of the things that you did change or the ways in which you stopped blocking yourself? Like, and if you have like concrete examples, I'm sure people would appreciate like, I mean, I started to really map out. Um, she said, you know, do you have a five year plan? And I Googled, a uh, five-year plan yes. template. <laughs> yes. Tori, yes. You educated yourself. <laughs> Googling counts as self-education. Because <laughs> like, I was like, I don't even know, like, how, where to begin. Yeah. And um, so I found, like, this these different kinds of templates where, like, different areas of your life to focus on yeah. instead of, like, one ball of, of a mush. Yeah. And, um and I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's something like your um, uh, your work, your professional life, mm-hmm. your health, mm-hmm. um, and your like love, friendship, family, or like relationships. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, professional is going really well. Great, Tori. <laughs> um, Great. Is able to sort of like. I was able to break things up mm-hmm. and also have benchmarks okay. um, where I could say, okay, I'm, uh, this is realistic. Mm-hmm. And listen, I mean, I did this five-year plan and it was like, yeah, here I am. I'm going. And I've had, you know, motivation. I just read this somewhere. Motivation is, um, is not constant. Mm-hmm. And so you go through like different waves of things where I would, um, not be focusing on the five-year plan and then I'd revisit it mm-hmm. and I'd actually be surprised at like certain things I I was able to do because I had set set it up and you had something written down that you could refer back to it wasn't just like in your oh, head yeah, yeah. everything okay. I, I stood and that was a big thing is I just started writing everything down mm-hmm. and setting the goals and going back to them mm-hmm. and like um this was um August 2015 right mm-hmm. because yeah. Your I was in September, I think, was when I started. Uh, yeah, September, yeah. And um, and since then, um, I've beginning of every year, I've sort of regrouped and said, okay, let me look at the year mm-hmm. ahead. Let me look at this year ahead mm-hmm. to try to, and it evolves, you know, throughout the year. Mm-hmm. 
and it just helps, you know, especially when I'm off course, mm-hmm. which happens. Mm-hmm. The, the beginning of this year was like a rough one, mm-hmm. um, just a long winter and not as much, not as many gigs. Because mm-hmm. um, 2018 was like so jam packed. Okay. And then the next year started it, and it didn't, it didn't happen as like I thought it would. And so, does do you find um, there is also like kind of like a rhythm that you have to get into, and then you also have to be ready to be flexible for when rhythms change. But it's like I find like with publishing, it was like okay, I could put out one book, but then I hadn't thought like oh, you need to like know when the next ones will come out, you know, or like or how you'll be able to make those, or yeah. like so you can do one like full year and then be like get to the next year and be like I didn't plan for this one, I was just getting yeah it out. yeah. I mean, it's the same thing I, like fundraising and like like yeah. theater administration too. Is like you're doing you know the 2019 season, but you have to be planning the 2020 season as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's tricky. Um, I'm trying to do that, but it's tricky because it's like just now I'm planning, you know, February and March mm-hmm. of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like slowly coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, the end of 2020 is a different story. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the end of 2019 didn't really yeah. show itself until a couple yeah. months ago. But I think as long as there's like the base there, um, it helps because that's, it keeps the motivation going. I mean, listen, I certainly have my days of laying on the couch being like, why? (laughs) (laughs) These choices. Why am I, sometimes I'm like, why am I living out the dreams of an 18 year old? (laughs) Who said this was a good idea? Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I think those days are important to have. Yeah. Um, but I now have the tools in place that I didn't have before to come back mm-hmm. to reality mm-hmm. and say, you know what? It's okay because here's the thing I'll do next or yeah. here's the thing I'll try to tackle to get where I'm going. Yeah, that's awesome. So through this like very roundabout route of self-discovery and different jobs and things, mm-hmm. you went from like... I remember you played in like a bathhouse and now yeah. you're like, you're yeah. on like cruises and performing in like the UK and going yeah. like international. So it is like, that's the interesting thing too, is I think it's easy in hindsight to be like, Oh, that was a path. But like, while you're on it, it's, it's hard to be like, I don't know where the next twist and turn is coming. And I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, so on that note, if you could give a pep talk to your past self, like mm-hmm. last week, <laughs> 10 years ago, whatever, what would you say? Um, I mean, I'm always giving myself pep talks now. Here. That's why there's a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wrote a whole show earlier this year about all of the self-help books I'd listened to. Beautiful. Great. Because <laughs> sometimes yeah. desperate times call for desperate measures. Um, but I, uh, I wish I had the skills to go back to my... Well, my 20 year old self, I don't think, I I don't think she would have listened Mm -hmm. because she didn't know who she was. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, now that I'm approaching the end of a decade Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, we're all approaching the end of a decade, but like I am actually, I am also approaching the end of a decade. (laughs) My decades go with a decade. So like as the world winds down, my decades do too. So like, yes. Yeah. And I have a birthday in January. So I always feel like. 
I know, right? It's like Ooh. new year and Back new and you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's always just kind of like, oh, it really is the start of a new year. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one's tough. This one has been really difficult as I get closer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish I could go back to like my 30 year old self mm-hmm. and give the pep talk I give myself now, which is I just stop and breathe and I go through all of the things I've accomplished oh, and how far so I've come. Because it also helps when I find that I'm comparing myself to other mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. Um, which is the worst thing to do mm-hmm. yeah. because everyone's on a different path and I constantly have to remind myself that because um, it's very easy to fall into that trap. And I just go through and say, look at where you are and compared to where you were a year ago, two mm-hmm. years ago, three years ago. Um and all that you've accomplished. So it would be nice to look back at 30-year-old self yeah. and and be like, you're going to be okay. I mean, you're also not, but you are. <laughs> right, right. right. So it's like it's like keeping a looking back at your track record, keeping like a celebration list of like what you've accomplished and and eyes on your own paper. Yeah. 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 Cuz you know, I was really frustrated earlier this year about things not moving in the direction I wanted them to. And a friend of mine actually reminded me uh, and she was like, yeah, but what do you have planned this summer or in the spring or uh, you're going, what country are you going to, to perform? Like it just remembering, okay, it might not be happening as quick as I want it to, but I am moving in the right direction. Um, So it's just that kind of reminder that I think, always helps me once I get out of my funk totally totally so in your world are there people that help you keep on track or like are there friends you have an agent a manager like you like who are the people in your like your like when you staff up Mm -hmm. (laughs) like who are the people that help keep you on track um right now I feel like it's uh my best friend Mm -hmm. is um she's so great her name is Lexi Mm -hmm. and um she's like I call her a power top. Um, she works in marketing. She works at Google. Well, she's actually a freelancer, and Google's one of her clients. Mm-hmm. So she's like power top. Yeah. And um, she's someone who is great to talk to because she constantly re- reminds me. We lived together. Um, first, it was the four girls, mm-hmm. and then just the two of us for a while. So we lived together for like eight years so we know each other really well and we also know how far we've come Mm -hmm. from the time we were 22 23 living here and so she's a great reminder of sometimes she'll send me like time hop posts yeah she sent me a time hop post um uh that she was going to my show at vlada and what like you know 10 years ago or something and she just sent me the screenshot of it and was like look at how far you've come so it's like and i'm doing the same with her you know you know reminders because i think that's important and then um i have a manager but it's it's right now it's really just like all business all like he's like a booking manager so it's like next venue next venue Mm -hmm. um but you know he gave me a pep talk the other day about money Mm -hmm. and just asking for your worth yeah and um because i was like i don't want to lose this job if we're asking for too much and he said you have to understand this is very reasonable amount for what for what you do Mm -hmm. And 
you have to be confident enough to say, listen, if you're not willing me to pay my willing to pay my worth, I'm gonna have to walk away from this. Okay, that is cool because it's kind of the same thing that when you went when you switched your mindset to MCC and you were like, I'm gonna do a great job for you, but you have to know that my yeah. focus is my performing career, and yes, like, and yes. they had to like. They had to, like, hire you for those skills and also know that, like, you were going to walk away if it wasn't worth it to you. Yeah, so that was big. And and that was hard because also I just transitioned, oh, my God, transitioned Mm -hmm. over into um, freelancing. So it's like I I don't want to lose a job Mm -hmm. because I feel like – I can't afford to. But he wasn't really saying that. Mm -hmm. He was saying, you know – Obviously, there'll be bargaining, but you have to go into this knowing what your worth is. I think, Tori, what he's trying to tell you is you have to go into these negotiations as a power top. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's awesome. I tell you, that's, like, that's another thing I've had to pull from um, past working in, in nonprofit fundraising yeah. Yeah. is that I had no problem asking people for money yeah. when it was for this theater or this organization. Right. right. You're like, give us this money. We need it for the art. <laughs> and when, it's, when it's for yourself, yeah. it's interesting how you suddenly get a block on that. Yeah. So that's something I'm definitely working on because it is my sole uh, financial mm-hmm. focus now. Yeah. Um, it is, I have to be more conscious of, you know, I have to be able to make X amount of money on this or, um, yeah, I just need to, know my worth yeah um, so that's yeah so that's important to have yeah that's so cool um that's so cool Tori well I, you know before I let you promo everything I just want to make sure I give you a pep talk because I've known you for a long time now yeah <laughs> and you know like you s- we started off together in this like little apartment in Astoria getting drunk on cocktails and being like blah, blah, blah. I don't even know what we talked about so like yeah, you know, I know. but I I was like, guess what? I have a calendar. I have a pinup. And you were like, yeah, me too. I'm a performer. And I was like, yeah, this is how we go. Okay. Um, and like for some, like we had enough wherewithal. I think this is the beauty of like knowing people for a long time, but like, like, like we had enough chutzpah and, and you know, and enough like bravado to be like, this is what I am. This is what I'm going to do. But whether or not we felt like we could back it up, we like, mm-hmm. I've seen you ride like a certain amount of faith in yourself. Um, and to take it, to take it this far is really exciting. Just like, I know the first time you booked a show at Joe's pub, like all of your friends were like, we were out of our minds. Like, I know, like, like so, so excited. But I don't, that was also interesting to me too. Cause for us, it was like, of course you should be at Joe's pub. Like you have all the connections, like you have all the talent, like, of course you should be at Joe's pub. And I know I'm sure for you, it was like uh, more intimidating than that, but mm-hmm. to, to see you show up at Joe's pub, you know, when we were like, we're all gathering f- friends and, and like wanting to fill it to show them that like, like Tori Scott is worth the investment, you know? And then to see that like, now you're going on like cruises and you're like, yeah. you know, you're like a celebrated gay icon. And, <laughs> like, you know, and that like, you've, you've made it happen this far it's that you, that you can now like live the, the dream and the goal that you set out for yourself, like way back in the day, you're like embodying the thing that you said you would do. And it's, it's just really, really cool. Like as a friend to see that evolve for you and to like and to to know that to have the behind the scenes info on like what it's been like to get there um but we're just like everyone is really really proud of you tori like even if we can't see you because you're chewing all the time we're really really proud of you (laughs) (laughs) i mean i remember before i went on stage at joe's pub for the first time i saw bridget everett's show a couple weeks before Mm -hmm. and was just like what am i doing (laughs) what am i doing and it just i mean 
when you, they say just take the leap, mm-hmm. like it, it can be just walking out on a stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it really it changed everything. It changed everything. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, Tori. Oh. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Oh God! <laughs> if we were recording this in the person oh, that we meant to, we'd be like. Oh, God. No, it means a lot to me because I do feel, I feel the support Mm -hmm. and I feel the love. Mm -hmm. And what's also really great is, you know, I know everyone's schedule is so hard Mm -hmm. that the last thing you want to do is constantly promote your show to your friends because they can't come to every show. And there's nothing, I feel nothing but absolute thrill when I walk out onto the stage at Joe's Pub and I don't know anyone in the audience. Oh, yeah. When I, I when I go to your shows now and I don't know people, I'm like, we're doing it. We it made it. It's a yeah. delight when I yeah. see you yeah. or when I see Maureen or who whoever. But it's not like I'm like, please come to my show, um, which is also a relief because... Yeah. You know, it starts out that way yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's just so lovely to have. I feel the support, and it doesn't have to be seeing you at my shows mm-hmm. or seeing all, all of my friends at my shows. It's that you guys believe in me, and I know you do. And that to to feel that from your circle of friends is everything. Yeah. I so agree. if people don't, if anyone listening doesn't have that kind of support group, get new friends. <laughs> Get new friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get friends. friends that make you feel bad. Yeah. Get yeah. new friends. Like, we don't have time to waste on friends who don't help you out. <laughs> like, no. Um, that totally right. I know. I feel like some of my like my fifth memoir will be like like with a little help from my friends or like yeah. Like it's so it's so yeah. important. Yeah. It's like they tell you in the in uh for like mental health for mm-hmm. a performer, uh a lot of people say, you know, find um uh, a connection to a spiritual connection to something, yeah. something to believe in, whether it's, you know, religion or whatnot. And, um, and I think that just goes with find friends that will support you mm-hmm. and not make you feel bad or compare you to other people. Like it's, I think what you're meaning to say, Tori, is you need to find friends to tell you, you're doing great. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key. <laughs> All right. So why don't you tell people where they can where they can find you on the internet, where they can find you live, um, and maybe just tell us, what you, tell us the locations of your next few gigs so we can brag about it. Sure. <laughs> um, you can find all the information on my website, which is itstoriescott.com, and you can follow me on um, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at It's Tori Scott, um, because I'm going to be, if there are any bears listening, I think there's still room. I'm doing a bear cruise um, November 2nd through the 9th um, through the Western Caribbean. And then I'll be in the UK, um, Cardiff, uh, Birmingham, Newcastle, and London. And then uh, I'll be in Fort Lauderdale on November 30th and Joe's Pub in New York December 2nd. Exciting. Yeah. I hope to be at your Christmas show. I'm not sure yet, but I hope to be there. Um, well, thank yes. you for coming on the show, Tori. And, thank you. This um, is great. Yeah. Okay. So. And you're doing great. Oh, my God, Tori, thank you. That was so good. That's the perfect way to end that. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend or leave a review. 
You can find me anytime at fairybossmother.com or on Instagram. I'm at Laura Von Holt. You can also find the show notes for every episode and join the You're Doing Great email list where you'll get behind-the-scenes information and extra enthusiasm at fairybossmother.com. Catch you next time, and remember, you're doing great.